This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. We are not the mainstream media. We are not alternative media. We are your media, the people's media. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is someone I met at the E-SETI conference at James Gilliland's ranch a few weeks ago. It only took a couple of minutes of listening to her to know I needed to share her wisdom with you. Tonight's show is almost three hours long. I have no doubt it's going to be one of those shows where you'll have to listen more than once. Ascension and Awakening. Tonight's special guest is Lisa Renee, and she will be with us shortly. I want to thank my new friend, John Kelly, one of the speakers at the E-SETI event, for providing a copy of my very first UFO sighting. Visit the Manticore Forum so you can see what I saw. As I've always said, I won't admit to a sighting 
unless I can offer some proof. So I give you proof. Thanks again, John. The witness statement is on its way to you. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory. That's 88 episodes to date. A few bonus interviews, the Veritas private chat room, and the Manticore forum. Just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. Now let me remind you that the 8GB brushed metal cased USB drive containing all of Season 1 and a lot of bonus material is now in stock. You may want to check what's included. Visit the Veritas store for more information and find out why this is the hottest product that we have in stock. To get in touch with me, click on the contact button of the website, VeritasShow.com, or on Facebook. And now, get ready for a truly awakening show. What is Ascension? What are star or indigo children? What is your mission during these chaotic times? How can we survive the upcoming shift in energy and consciousness? Find out what the powers that be don't want you to know. If you want to remain shackled by the master's programming, stop this audio now. If you want to be free, ascend and awake, don't go anywhere. Lisa Renee is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Most of the great music you hear right here on the Veritas show is supplied by the independent artists from Jamendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, VeritasShow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases right there at Jamendo.com. Dr. Brooks Agnew, and you're listening to Veritas. Lisa Renee experienced a spontaneous Kundalini event several years ago that catalyzed a starseed awakening to perceive multidimensional realities and communication with the evolutionary forces of light. Lisa has been personally prepared, trained, and downloaded by interdimensional beings known as the Melchizedek Guardians through her Council of Twelve, known to her as the Syrian High Council. Guided by a spiritual hierarchy, Lisa was trained and downloaded to comprehend the science of ascension and its dynamics upon the layers of energy fields. This understanding of spirit technologies was experienced by her own personal conscious evolution and began her transition into a spiritual guide and multidimensional energetic healer during this planet's ascension cycle. She is a galactic emissary for the Guardians and a spokesperson for the shift of humanity to ascension. Along with the Guardian groups, 
Her mission is to support humanity through its evolution with education, awareness, and by discussing the impacts of the energy shifts upon the planet, human beings, and human consciousness. She is an intuitive, spiritual mentor, writer, quantum therapist, and etheric surgeon. She writes a monthly column called Lifting Your Veil, which you can find at energeticsynthesis.com and also at planetlightworker.com. She lives and has a practice in Santa Monica, California. Lisa says, quote, Many of us have become aware that something incredibly profound is changing on our planet. We are sharing an amazing time of expansion on the planet, which affects us all at a very deep cellular level. These times have been described in many of the metaphysical circles as the Great Shift, the End Times, or the Ascension. And to discuss what Ascension is all about and much more during a time where the energy all around us is shifting. For the first time on Veritas, I would like to welcome directly from Santa Monica, California, Lisa Renee. Hello, Lisa, and thanks for being with us. How are you? Hello, Mel. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my pleasure. I had to read as much as I could, Lisa, because before we start, I want to tell the, the listeners that I met you at James Gilliland's ranch a few weeks ago. We had a terrific time. We were on, on James' show also with the rest of the speakers, and the next day, I saw your presentation and was very, very impressed. So I hope we can cause the same impression here tonight, Lisa. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, it's a pleasure to as well get to be made aware of you and your work. And I certainly was able to just kind of check out your website, Veritas, and it's, it's beautiful. I think it's awesome, and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you, and I appreciate yours too. And as I confessed to James when he was with me on the show, if you asked me a year, or maybe two years ago, if I would be discussing these topics, I would have recommended some mental help. <laughs> but things, things that I cannot explain have happened to me, which have led me to the conclusion that just like the majority of our universe is composed of dark matter, perhaps there are realities and knowledge that we don't comprehend, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. So first... As we always do on this show with first-time guests, especially with your story, I want to share with the listeners how your life changed a few years ago. In a smaller scale, I was in the financial world, and so were you. Who would have thought that we would be touching these subjects? But go ahead and tell us and give us some background of yourself and take us through your transformation. Thank you so much, Mel, and I think that's really an important point to bring up as well because... Um, when we were introduced to each other, we did kind of get acquainted in that way, and I shared with you as well that I was a tax accountant, had a background in um, taxes, IRS audits of all things, and business management. Certainly, you know, if I go back to the very beginning of things that I perceived as a child, there was certainly an awareness that something seemed a little bit different than what others were experiencing. So I think even though I did not have a context when I was very young, there was certain clues that made me feel that something was very different with me <laughs> in regards to what I was perceiving in the world and what others were perceiving in the world. However, you know, certainly I was, you know, considered a 
contributing member of society. You know, I got married. I was a tax accountant. I was, you know, so-called a professional in the third-dimensional physical world, you know. And um, I went through something that in the spiritual circles is termed the dark night of the soul. And generally what that means is that in the beginning of your awakening process, what happens is your reality is dismantled. Everything you thought was real, everything you thought was, quote-unquote, security in your life, whether that's your job, your relationship, your bank account, uh, your material objects, whatever that is, starts to slip away. Either these relationships end or the money is all gone or there are events and circumstances that create this incredible dismantling in your life. And when you're going through this, in the beginning stages. I mean, your first thought isn't, oh, I'm having a spiritual awakening. <laughs> you know, your first thought is, what in the, is happening to me and what is happening right. to my life? And um, there is an article that I have written because I call this term when you're in the process of dismantling and being dismantled from your material objects, I call this phase of spiritual development the spiritual nomad. Because many of us, when we go through this awakening process, we will even be dismantled to a point of we don't have a residence anymore, we're sleeping on our ex-husband's couch, which is what I was doing. And at that point, you know, you really have to look at all of the belief systems and the values that have been set up in social conditioning and in cultural and, and other conditioning that really give us a sense of what our worth is, what our meaning is, you know, who are we in the world. And without all of these things, without these attachments, of course, it puts you through a very deep self-inquiry process or even a meditative process. And so, of course, in the midst of this dismantling, going through divorce, going through job transition, kind of losing everything that was in my 3D life, this is when I had my Kundalini awakening. And at this time, of course, I was not, you know, seeking my Kundalini to be awakened. In fact, I didn't even know what Kundalini was. Um, I just knew that I was having some kind of paranormal or metaphysical experience. And so upon this particular event, which was at one point very intense and painful and then to gradual. So Kundalini is like life force that is released out of the tailbone in the spine. And this is actually a natural organic part of human consciousness. But many of us in the Western world have not been given the training or the information. There's a lot of, let's say, the Hindu or the Indian lineages actually speak a lot about this, and it's a function of light body or in the energy field of the human being. So generally, when people are, quote-unquote, awakening kundalini, they're, they're asking for this. They're seeking it out. They're doing yoga poses and breath work, attempting to raise their kundalini. I was not... Uh, doing that. I was basically um, asking God for help, of course, and Kundalini was the answer. <laughs> so when this life force uh, came through my body, it was very similar to experiencing being plugged into an electric socket was massive amounts of energy that were running through my body. And 
over time, when it wouldn't stop, it was very uncomfortable. And because I was not trained to understand how to use yoga or stretching or breath to control this electric energetic force from my body, I ended up losing all my hair and actually having a lot of physical problems with it because I didn't know how to control it. Now, of course, I have a much better understanding and I speak to a lot of people about um, supporting that because, again, at this particular time, there are many people having actually awakening and frequency surging and dizziness and things that are electrical or neurological in relationship to the frequencies coming into the planet. So I really have the firsthand experience of that. So through the process of the frequency and this sort of electrical conduit that I became through the Kundalini Awakening, I was contacted. And this contact started through my awareness as my quote-unquote guides. I was certainly able to handle an understanding that all of us have some kind of angelic presence or guardians or guides that help us go through our earthly duties down here. However, what I did not know at that beginning stage is that these were actual extraterrestrial interdimensional beings. So it took me a while, and I think as well they were very kind and considerate to my own psychological and emotional development to understand that I needed some time to kind of acclimate myself into that larger vantage point because certainly at this point of awakening, I did not seek or have uh, an expanded interest in extraterrestrials. I didn't even watch Star Trek when I was younger. I mean, so there was definitely a gap in my information about extraterrestrial intelligence. So it took a while for them to actually describe to me who they really are and who I was a part of (laughs) in another dimension. (laughs) When did this happen? What year? This happened between 1999 and 2001. It's not too long ago, actually. Yeah, and quite interesting, too, when we understand, like, that was the change of the new millennium. You know, there was so much, if you remember back in the year 2000, there was so much uh, hoopla about what was going to happen in 2000. You know, I think, I don't know if you remember the... uh, computers. Yes, exactly. There was this whole uh, theory, our whole financial and uh, computer systems would go awry. And of course, you know, here we are 10 years later, but you know, um, at that time, I find the timing quite perfect. (laughs) It was right into the new millennium. And the transition between your, let's call it your corporate life to this new life. How did you embrace it? And how did the people around you embrace it? That's a great question, and I, and I really do love to share this because I think it's important, and that is, you know, certainly at the time, um, I was not a happy camper. Um, this was quite devastating to me because I think in the beginning stages, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're really questioning your sanity, you're questioning what's happening to you, and for me, I think quite honestly, I was probably quite scary. <laughs> to the people in my office because I knew that I was having an experience that I could not share uh, with even my closest family members. I understood that what was happening to me, 
I needed to find the verbiage. I needed to understand exactly what it was before I shared this with anyone. So there was a lot of isolation in the process. There was a lot of being in my bathrobe, praying, hanging out with the guys, asking questions. There was an unbelievable thirst for material, and I would just spend hours and hours every waking moment learning about archetypes and numerology and tarot reading and all of these things that represented various modalities of understanding to help me assimilate a language to describe what had happened to me. So I was very quiet about the situation until actually about two and a half years later, um, after I really did have clarity what was going on, but I was still having fear about speaking about it publicly. I did not explain this to my parents. I basically, in fact, kind of disappeared for about two and a half years because I didn't know what to say to people that cared about me because it was very apparent something very different was happening to Lisa. And, I mean, it was apparent by looking at me. If somebody said, you know, what's going on with you, I really didn't know how to answer that question. So I thought it was best for me to take the time I needed and kind of sequester and really get a grip on myself on my reality, and finding a language. And so that did actually happen. It took me about two and a half years to get really clear that, no, I'm not going insane. I'm having a multidimensional experience. Um, the guardians and guides at that time were taking me through different dimensional vantage points. So I, I literally was being taken into different octaves of reality and experiencing that from that space. So I finally understood this, this is real, I'm having this experience, and now it's time to actually declare it out loud and tell my family, my biological family, what happened to me. And that was the beginning of me voicing this experience. How did they react to it? Honestly, in the beginning... <laughs> And this is this was a great example of understanding, trust your guidance, listen, listen to your truth. Even though it's scary sometimes, you will be protected if you just listen. My guides basically came to me and said, Lisa, it's time for you to go see your family. And I'm like, no, please, I'm not ready. And they're like, no, you need to do this this weekend. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm having, you know, a lot of anxiety about how am I going to explain this, right? They basically said, do it. And I'm like, okay. So I call up my parents, and this started, of course, with my dad and my stepmom. And during the time that I had been kind of estranged in a way, you know, I know they were very confused. They were sending me things like books that said, you know, what to do when you're in depression, what the Bible says about depression, you know. So clearly they thought I was having some kind of nervous breakdown or depression from my divorce and stuff. So when I showed up there, I just said, look, Mom and Dad, I need you to do something for me. I know you're angry at me. I'm very sorry that I've been away, but I need to explain something to you, and I need you to just listen to me. Please just listen to what I'm going to tell you. Don't respond yet. Just, just allow me to tell you what's happened to me. And I proceeded to tell them exactly what happened to me, what my experience was, 
Um, they just kind of sat with big eyes. They did not uh, respond immediately. <laughs> and I think it was a lot for them to take in. They didn't quite um, absorb it immediately. But what happened, which was really a beautiful blessing from the universe, is that after I left that weekend, and I know my father was, you know, considering my level of sanity through it all. He was still trying to consider, okay, I know something's happened to Lisa, but I don't know what to do with it. And what happened after this is that several situations and people explained the exact same thing to them to reinforce what I had told them. So about a week later, my, I get the story from my stepmom who says, they're at dinner at friends down the street, and the friends ask my parents, so, you know, how's your daughter, Lisa? What's going on with her? I heard she came down, and my dad apparently said, you know, I don't know, she's talking about some crazy story about ascended masters and things coming in and talking to her, and this couple apparently looked at each other, and their daughter, who was at the dinner table, goes, I know what that is. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, universe. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yes, it really was. It was really beautiful and a wonderful example of trust. And how did you transition from your corporate life? Because a lot of people ask me the same thing. And I used to be in the financial world, and then I started transitioning into who I am today. How how difficult or how easy was it? Honestly, it was really quite difficult. And I think that's because, and there's a lot of us that are like this. We're the bridgers. You know, we have one foot in what I call the third-dimensional structure of reality, and we have another foot in another reality. And you almost feel like you're a double agent living two lives when you're in this. Yes. Completely, you know. Um, you understand that it's important to be selective in where you share this information. And um, because, again, you know, it can be misconstrued um, by a lot of people who are not understanding, you know, exactly what you're trying to express. So um, for me, um, you know, again, I prayed every day saying, please get me out of here. I mean, you know, you got to be kidding me. I have to do taxes while this is happening. <laughs> It was right. like, if there isn't anything any more 3D and feeling like enslavement, it's doing tax returns, you know? So it was really, the dichotomy was really, um, you know, extreme. Taxes by day, you know, hanging out with ETs at night. <laughs> it was really quite extreme. So finally... You know, again, there was a process of development that was very clear that I needed to become an integrated, assimilated individual. And I'm really grateful that I had the experience to develop my left brain and to be um, very aware of how physical reality, how the ego works. Um, being in these structures is a lot of training. It gives you an understanding of how to have an accurate assessment of this reality so that you do not become a part of it. It's like, be here, but don't be of it. You know, you understand the structure and you don't take it personal. And so in the beginning stages, I think a lot of us are confused. You know, I, in, in our desire to want to be of service, wanting to be, you know, healers or supporters 
of spirit, you know, of spirituality, and we find how difficult it is to really make that transition. And I think it's really important to understand a very important process of spiritual uh, initiation and enlightenment is understanding polarity integration. And polarity integration means you have to understand how these forces work, because if you don't, you can literally be taken into very unstable emotional or psychological ground. You know, there's, there's a saying, you know, there's a very fine line between enlightenment and psychotic break. And there's a lot of beings that become initiated and develop a part of their spiritual body, but they're not emotionally developed or they're not mentally developed. And this creates a schism. And when a schism occurs, you create imbalances, and the being can't handle this kind of frequency, can't handle this kind of information, and still be human. So understanding that sometimes we have to, in order to be integrated, in order to be balanced, in order to come into harmony with ourselves, we really have to get clear about understanding how this planet works, how this holographic reality projects a third dimensional intelligence. Once you understand that intelligence, it gives you a toolkit to expand your consciousness in a balanced way, in a harmonious way, because it Again, we are here to be integrated, not fragmented. And to many of us who are experiencing this transition or transformation many years ago, it was very contradicting, like it was to you. At night, I was fighting against, I was a crusader against uh, poisons like NutraSweet mm. or fighting for liberty as opposed to slavery. But here I was walking the, the facilities of Monsanto in St. Louis or my clients who were defense contractors in California. And it, it was very difficult to reconcile those things. But I always like to name shows with the least amount of words that will encapsulate what the guests will be discussing. In this case, tonight's show is called Ascension. It's a concise word with such a big meaning. What is Ascension? Ascension really is understanding that it is a spiritual science of the mechanics of creation. So we could say very simply that ascension is about the change of the focus of our consciousness, meaning who we are and what we are as an energy field, as a consciousness, is shifting into a higher octave or into another dimension. And there are mechanics that govern these particular cycles of which consciousness moves itself through what is known as a time-space matrix. So when we're here in the third-dimensional planet Earth, we're having a third-dimensional timeline. It means our experience of ourself and our humanness here in this field, we're having a third-dimensional experience. And as we go through ascension, what's happening is other dimensions, other octaves, other timelines are dissolving and collapsing into our reality. And as that happens, happens, we start to have 
lots of different levels of perception and connection to things that we didn't have a context for before. So ascension is literally our consciousness is being moved into a future time space or into a higher octave of dimensional frequency. And as we move through these times and spaces or octaves of dimension, we actually connect to certain aspects of identity that we have been in another time and space. So again, um, this is definitely with an understanding that we are just not one singular being existing in this particular time-space field, but we are a multidimensional entity that have other identities, whether we call this a past life or a future life, that's a bit of a misnomer because in actuality, all time and space is happening and simultaneous, which again is very hard for us to imagine here in this space. But as these dimensions collapse, we literally connect to that aspect of ourself that is our soul, that is our oversoul, these other identities or extensions that are a part of our spiritual family, and they are us. And so that is very similar to my particular experience in being what's known as a walk-in, in having a higher aspect of my identity that exists in a future dimension actually connect with my body here in this dimension so that I can access that information and bring it into this particular timeline. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it's a complicated subject for, for many who are finally awakening and starting to get into this topic, like it happened to me about a year ago. But there must be cycles or timelines when we refer to ascension. What are the basics of these cycles? Well, the basics of these cycles, I guess, and one that is certainly talked about quite often and really is synonymous for me when I say ascension cycle, is people talk about Mayan calendar or 2012 timeline. And so certainly that has been introduced to me by my guardians and guides as they describe that we go through cycles of what is following, um, again, a procession of equinox, again, which is this alignment where our Earth core aligns to the core of our universe and to our sun. And that's the event that happens on December 21st of 2012. So as we, again, go through an, a consciousness evolution, moving through these celestial star patterns, let's say we're in the age of Aquarius, we're in the age of Pisces, you know, we're actually as a consciousness experiencing the influences that these planetary and stellar bodies have upon our experience here. So one cycle that is ending at this time is a 26,000-year, 556-year cycle is coming into completion. But also the guardians say that because this ascension process is a universal ascension and not just about our planetary body and actually involving just human beings, but is actually involving many other extraterrestrial races as well, that there's larger cycle patterns as well, all completing and converging into this one cycle known as that 26,000-year period. So that, again, would be referred to as the ascension cycle. We are completing a momentum of consciousness movement that aligns us to a portal or a stargate network that literally opens a field 
and an access to move into other times and spaces in a way that was not previously available to us as a consciousness. So this is why this time is so important as well, is directional movement that impacts quantum leaps of our consciousness development is available to us at this time. Have your gardens told you, and obviously they mentioned the date, December 21st, 2012, is this going to be a gradual change or is it going to be dramatic in a millisecond you go from one age to another age? Well, in actuality, you know, um, and that is kind of a complex issue because from their point of view, it's happening now. So apparently from their point of view, you know, certainly, you know, my particular work with the planet is working with the Ascension timeline, which is the connection into the core of our universe that is phase-locking with the core of the next universe. And those cores phase-lock between Orion or our Sagittarian Milky Way galaxy and the Andromedan galaxy. So for me, Andromeda is actually the core of the next universe and is a part of the movement that means Ascension cycle, meaning we are moving from our universe and having a period of evolution within this cycle, and we are now connecting literally to another universe. How this works is, again, God's private mystery. I think, you know, again, we're all having an amazing opportunity to experience something that, according to them, has never been experienced by um, beings that exist at this density, meaning this kind of vibrational density has not had access to this kind of frequency before. So there's a lot of new patterns and new creations happening. So as we again move through this, we're really in a point of time where there is no, let's say, um, there are certain probabilities that can be accessed, but absolutes are impossible. Uh, according to them, nobody knows what's going to happen. And so when we say, you know, this is going to happen on such and such date, they're very resistant to saying that. There are cycles that come into endings, but because we are in sort of a chess game with consciousness in this realm, it's kind of like understanding there is consciousness that is participating with the ascension cycle, and there is consciousness that is not participating with this ascension cycle. So there's a bit of a wild card involved in terms of what vibrational consciousness will choose, and as that choice is made, it creates what's known as an event horizon, meaning that will be the probable reality that that group will choose to experience as a part of its consciousness in the next cycle. And that's what's happening right now. And it's involving not just human beings, but again, non-human beings. And when I'm speaking about the conflict, what I'm actually speaking about as well is a force of consciousness that is a group consciousness that I would refer to as the reptilian or the intruder races. And these are beings that have been attempting to maintain control and possession and dominion of this planet. And again, it's just not over until it's over in terms of the choices that are made in the direction that we're moving. And the question in everybody's mind, if you're using the date December 21st, 2012, is what can we do to avert 
any cataclysm or to transition into the new age? Really, the most important thing to understand is really have no fear or self-doubt about the polarity of forces. Like right now, when we look at what's happening on the planet, the BP oil spill, you know, lots of things that are going on, it confuses us. We don't understand, you know, are we, how is this going to impact us? I think that it's best to understand that there are forces that exist at both levels. And the most important thing to remember is that we are part and parcel of God consciousness. We are eternal beings. And we really need to focus on our inner core and our connection to our higher power, no matter what that is for us. Um, again, a lot of what the guardians speak of is something called the law of one, which is an understanding that we are all interconnected and a part of the genesis of creation, which is God's source, which is a part of the core of creation, the core of our universe. There are lots of forces on this planet that want to basically take that particular power away from us or create an intermediary between us and our relationship to God and source. And this is where we have to be careful. It is the divine right of every being to be a knower of God's source and to be connected to that God's source. As we focus our attention on our higher power, on our spiritual purposes, knowing everything has purpose, everything has expression, nothing is random. There's many energies or forces that are attempting to distract us from what is important by keeping us externally focused. What's really important now is to be internally focused. How do you feel? Learn how to develop your higher intuition skills. What feels right for you? And make actions in your life based upon that. Become aligned with your truth, what feels right for you, instead of what you feel obligated to do or what you think you have to do because of fear. It's very important now to clear fear programming and understand that mind control is present on this planet and the prime objective of mind control is to instigate fear into you, fear of economics, fear of your survival, fear of terrorism, fear of cataclysm. These are things to understand our pitfalls and are a part of an agenda that is designed to divert you from your true sense of power, which is you are an eternal being you are fully safe and protected in your connection with God. Develop that connection, whatever it is for you, and you will start to see miracles happen in your life. That's really my advice. <laughs> sure. And you mentioned the filter or intermediary between us and the source. Can we say that you're referring to organized religion? Uh, certainly. Absolutely. Um, but there are lots of versions of this. You know, that's the most simple example, um, you know, in terms of an intermediary. And again, that's a, it's very challenging. I mean, I'm going to say something that is very controversial, and I just ask the listeners to consider what truly feels in alignment to you and to discard the rest. And that is that 
Again, from the Guardian perspective, organized religion is an anti-human and a negative alien agenda. In fact, much of the information that is propagated as quote-unquote God's words are programs that are placed in the consciousness with the intention that we will believe this to be real and through our own power of consciousness reenact it as a part of quote-unquote God's will. A perfect example of this is in the biblical text the information having to do with Armageddon or Revelations. Now, what happens is that the consciousness that has come to create control on this planet, it's like understanding our reality is similar to like a video game. And what that means is that there's software or there are games or programs that we can play as a part of our consciousness. One of the games, quote-unquote, or softwares that have been placed in the holographic architecture of this planet is Armageddon. And this particular software game is put in the grid system of our planet so that when we as a consciousness believe that something is real or true or in alignment, we will start to believe it and feed it and allow it to manifest as a reality. Like a seed. Yeah. Like a seed of fear. That's exactly it. Um, there's crucifixion theology that is placed in the planet as a software, and there is Armageddon uh, software. And I'm using this because it's something that helps you understand holographic architecture, because when we talk about this reality as a hologram, it's hard to really visualize. It's hard to understand. And again, I think you remember, I kind of give a basis of a model, sort of a cosmology of understanding dimension and octaves and the movement of that, you know, that during the presentation, because when you understand that, that kind of helps to see the context of this in a larger way. Without it, it makes it hard. But it's understanding that this is just one reality of many. There is an agenda on this planet to take it over from forces that are not human beings. And they have been, so it's one of these things you go, okay, well, if that was true, then why don't I see it? This is, this is by understanding. The takeover has happened in the blueprint level of our planet. So it's like understanding everything that is in physical content, whether it's a human being, whether you're looking at anything that is a physically manifest object, it has a blueprint. It has an architecture. So in a human being, that's a living aura. In other things, it's like a blueprint. So those of us that can see, the, and this is generally the star-seeded ones that have extraterrestrial genetics that are here on this planet at this time, more of us can see this phenomena. We can see the architecture. The architecture is not in the particle universe. It's in the antiparticle universe. So as I'm looking at the antiparticle structure of the hologram, I can see blueprint. 
And this is, of course, how I learned that this was going on because as a star-seeded being, I was able to determine what was organic to creation and what was artificial to creation. I could see overrides or what was put on top of the organic creation to create different outcomes that the consciousness was not participating with in this dimension. So it was like saying, okay, I can see there's an implant and there is a siphoning tool and there is a program here of cataclysm who put it there? Mm-hmm. If that's not organic to God's creation and it's not coming from the human mind, where did it come from? And this was the process of my development with the guardians in showing me a holographic architecture, which in a sense is similar to remote viewing. So it would be like saying, you go into the antiparticle dimension of where there's holographic architecture. So understanding like a hologram is refracted light. So think of there's a, there's a filter, and through that filter, the consciousness energy light projects out of it, and it's like a movie. It's like understanding when you go to the movie and you see the projector projecting a movie onto the screen. Our reality is very much like this. It's very convincing, of course, but that's how it works. Each of our beings are like little mini holographic projectors where we project our own reality, and then we are a part of the human collective reality. So you've got 7 billion of us projecting a movie, and the consensus is what we experience as a part of third-dimensional Earth. So when you look at the hologram and you see the architecture of these blueprints, you can see who or what is controlling it. It's like behind the curtain. The reptilian invasion agendas are not here in the physical particle universe. And this is why there is such an incredible resistance to disclosure with extraterrestrial information on this planet. Because if we start to understand that extraterrestrials are involved in our um, human development, they're involved in our planet, they're involved in controlling that, then we're going to start to get wise, well, something's not quite right here. Because, again, there are benevolent extraterrestrials. There are those that are neutral that could just kind of watch and see what's going on. And then we have those that have decided, hey, we want that territory. So the issue here at this time is understanding that evolution and ascension is way beyond this planet and way beyond human beings. We are extraterrestrial genetic material. This planet is a living light library of genetic material. And many of us here, we are all from the stars. We came from the stars, but we have been told otherwise. We have been told we came from apes. This is not true. So parts of our histories have been altered. Why are apes still having apes? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I see it more, what you're saying. Let's just uh, envision ourselves as as human computers. Mm -hmm. We need to reformat our human computers by deprogramming ourselves and perhaps put the software that's going to help us ascend because the one we have right now, this may offend some people, they may be implanted viruses as control mechanisms. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, Mal. Thank you. That is an awesome way to understand it. You're welcome. I'd like to just play some metaphors out there for, for those yes. of us who, who like things uh, concisely 
place so we can understand it. But what is it so important to understand what ascension is then? Well, really, because what's happening on the planet now, you're either going to choose to participate with it or not. And if you're not participating with it, it doesn't mean you're not included. So it's like, do you want to make an informed choice based upon what is happening? Or do you just want to be swept away by vibrational consciousness without understanding the ramification of what it means? Because that's what's happening right now. The reptilian forces, the Illuminati, the human puppets of these particular beings are playing out a very serious agenda. And we see this in a lot of the information. For me, the issue with the Federal Reserve, the you know centralization and globalization of one government, this isn't about oneness. This is about dominion and control. And this is a particular agenda that is reptilian in nature, not human in nature. There are humans playing this out because they've sold out the rest of us, and that's basically where it's at. There are very few beings on this planet that control the resources of it. And the reptilian caste system, meaning the reptilian idea, it would be like understanding our planet has become possessed by a consciousness, and that consciousness is a force, and we could call that, as a general force, a reptilian consciousness. Human beings were not designed to be this. Human beings are actually unifying synthesizers of genetic material. We are a unity consciousness. We are actually supposed to be in unity. This is what our divine design is. So there is consciousness that is, that is literally working the opposite direction of that, so the choice becomes ours. Where are we going to place our attention, our focus, our energy? Are we going to focus on the maximizing human potential, maximizing human creativity, using technology to advance human consciousness? Are we going to use it as an enslavement? Because that is what the conflict is about. And this may not be directly related to what we're talking here, but I think it is in a way. And I have to ask these questions and put them out of the way before sure. I forget them. With the information that you have received from higher dimensions, what have they told you as it relates to who we are, why are we here, and where are we going? Um, according to the Guardian perspective, the bodies that we inhabit, they do refer to as a Christ or a Christ model. So again, what's happened on this planet is the word Christ has a lot of negative connotation. You know, it's been construed, and so I know that that is a stigma. And sometimes I hesitate to use that word because it, it does not at all refer to Catholicism or the twisted understandings of a crucified Christ. That is actually a complete lie and a complete distortion. So the issue is understanding that, according to them, the Christ body is a 12-dimensional, 12-strand DNA template, and that template is our blueprint. So it would be like understanding our aura, our chakras. We have a very complex, quote-unquote, light body, and that light body is basically our biological template. It's, the, it's, it's that which is manifested into physical and the core template that exists for 
humanity and this planet is actually the same. So it means that the planet as well shares the same manifestation template we do. So when the planet is destroyed, when the planet is invaded, when they go into the consciousness fields and screw with the planet, they're actually screwing with us at an individual body level. There's no getting out of it. What happens to the planet happens to our body. This is why there is an agenda, of course, you know, for drilling and oil and wars, because as that propagates, it actually has an impact on us as a species. So it's understanding the human being, the Christed being that has a template that is designed to be a 12-dimensional or 12-DNA-strand being has been unplugged and has been genetically manipulated and has been mind-controlled to not access these higher levels of DNA activation that are inherent in our core manifestation body through the ascension cycle timeline. So this is why... The agendas of suppression, whether it's chemtrails, vaccinations, Monsanto and their aspartame poisons, these are all nerve poisons. For us, you to just, act, you just uh, I'm sorry? I hate to interrupt you, but you just mentioned a word that I was going to ask next: the chemtrails. If ascension might occur, perhaps in one way through photons from the sun, yeah. so that we can our DNA can react to it. Could chemtrails be part of it to yes. prevent us from doing that? You, you're absolutely right on. That's, uh, that's actually why it's in many cases occurring. The chemtrails are both part of technology experiments on the public as well as preventing certain photons or you know, frequencies that come, come through the sun. Because, again, we, we know that there's a lot of change with the sun. I mean, the science, of course, doesn't put this on the front page news like it should. I mean, I always find it, I don't know if you've noticed this, I mean, it'll be ridiculous. She'll be on the internet on Yahoo, and it'll be like, black hole in the center of the, you know, has been found, and sunspots and solar ejections are happening, and you're like, why isn't this on the news? You know what I mean? It's like buried behind, you know, five different articles. You have to dig for it. This should be something that should be, uh, you know, available to all of us. But you can see, you know, they'd rather play, you know, um, the E-Channel or whatever it is. Lindsay Lohan is going to jail. (laughs) More important than all of this. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So I have to tell you, Lisa, again, many people who listen to the show have experienced transformation. I can't attest to that. I felt a change in my life due to the absorption of, of knowledge we all experience with our guests. I never said anything until people started contacting me saying, I'm no longer the same. Wow. That's when it hit me. There's definitely more out there than we have been led to believe. And bear in mind, we don't like to use the word believe on this show. So for those of us who are in that transition from scientific methodology, empirical evidence, and controlled environment mindset to this new frontier. And I say new because it is new to many of us who are open enough to ascend. How will ascension improve our lives? Honestly, it will bring us back into humanity, Mel, because what's happening on the planet today is not human. What we are allowing to happen to this planet is not human. It is an anti-human sentiment. We have allowed structures that do not support human beings, that do not support the future of our species. We are not investing in the future of our children, in the education and wellness of ourselves. This needs to change. 
and becoming conscious and aware and responsible for our actions, starting to become guardians of this planet and taking care of each other is something that we need to do to restore humanity to humanity. And that is what the Ascension is about, ultimately. And what is a soul purpose, and how does that relate to our ascension? A soul purpose is understanding that there is a very specific and unique configuration of every being, and that's a part of your blueprint. So that means that there are certain influences and archetypes and patterns that are created as a part of your, let's say, your eternal self. Your soul actually laid a blueprint, and you made choices like your parents and certain conditions that you were born into. And these were made for what the soul believed to be the most opportune growth or healing or contribution to the overall whole. Because, again, once we become aware of our purpose, it is the highest contribution we can serve to the overall growth of humanity. It is not that we are to play anyone's note. We are to play our own. And as we play our own note fully, we shine our light brightly and we become the highest possible expression of our being, not only to benefit our own growth and experience, but that, of course, which also assists humanity as a whole. In a time where most of the talk, once you turn on the TV, is all dire, cataclysmic, disasters, catastrophobia. This is the kind of talk I want to bring to our listeners because it gives us hope. It gives us a way to ascend, no pun intended. But it's very important to listen to your words. Lisa, how do we get in touch with your work? And before I, we go into a quick intermission, you said a phrase during the presentation you conducted at uh, James Gilliland's ranch that resonated with me. And I'm starting to remember the words, but some of them are, are just falling victim of my forgetfulness. You said, I was trying to think differently and I was attacked by it when all I wanted was seeking to seek the truth. You said something like that. Do you remember? Yes, yes. I think it's important to share with human beings uh, and, and as well, many people that are listening to this, I am very, very aware and have a grip on reality. I know where the mass consciousness is. Do you think I'm saying this for my health because I want to be popular? No. When you come out and you actually desire to know the truth and your thirst for knowledge and truth supersedes your need to be right... You will encounter people that hate you because of it, because you threaten their sense of security or their belief systems or some part of them that does not want to give up that part of reality that they are attached to. I would rather know the truth, and that is what has propelled me through this process because, again, it took me at least the last, you know, 10, 11 years to be able to really see this and from a place of really, because ultimately we have to be in a place of non-judgment. We cannot fight this. It's not about creating enemies. It's not about creating diversity, you know, in, in, or, you know, separation through this by saying a reptilian is bad and humanity is good. But it's saying, look, we need to have an accurate perception with what the hell is going on on our planet. We need to understand how do we get here? 
because the information given to us is not accurate, and we need to take responsibility for that. And as we do, because we're in the changing paradigm, we're going to have resistance. We're going to have people that are not happy with that. The beings that have been in control, that have all the money and have all the game, they're not going to want to lose that particular sense of being in the ivory tower with all their, you know, toys. You know, he with all the toys wins. You know, that's not how it works. There's too many beings on this planet that are starving, that are suffering, that are dying of a broken heart because they cannot be who they were designed to be. And that is restoring freedom and appreciating humanity and having reverence for life again on this planet. And that is what we have the opportunity to bring forward right now. And I think that that is much more important than having some casualties or some egos or some people that hate me for coming out and saying this. So it is, it's true to understand that as you want to love and heal the world, you will be considered a fugitive. <laughs> and you have to kind of accept that that's just the way it is. Don't take it personal because people are resistant to change and you will have both human consciousness angry at you and non-human consciousness angry at you because ultimately what we're here to do is to restore sovereignty and freedom to the human race and the choice is ultimately ours and sometimes you'll feel alone just like gandhi fell alone for so many years and in the end it is people who think differently who may be affecting transformation into this planet and to our fellow human beings but lisa how do we get in touch with your work um, well, my website is energeticsynthesis.com in one word, and certainly um, any information. I have newsletters that are posted uh, freely on the site that describe current planetary movements and change. And as well, I do have a membership community that has access to just meditations and classes and really the core material of the guardian work that is in the energetic synthesis community. So there's lots of tools, there's lots of things to help you clear, to get beyond fear programs, because ultimately there's lots of different levels of information, but truly it's about supporting the empowerment of the individual, having clarity and coming into the personal power of your own connection with God. And the first stage of that is learning uh, the polarity of forces, learning how to protect your field and releasing yourself of fear. That is really the number one thing to do, is to clear your body, your thoughts, and your emotions of things that control you that are fear-based. And you will see massive change when you start to be consciously participating with clearing fear from your being. And we have so much more to cover. Folks, this is just the beginning. We're going to take a quick intermission, and we'll be right back with Lisa Renee. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with Lisa Renee in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in or download the second part of this great show, which still has almost two more hours to go. Get ready for more ascension and awakening. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with Lisa Renee.
This is Dolores Cannon, and you're listening to Veritas, which means truth. That's what it means. 